Welcome to The Thriving Christian Artist, the podcast where we hope you connect with God to bust through the roadblocks that have held you back for years, create the work you love, and really live the life you know God created you to live as an artist in His kingdom. I'm Matt Tama, your host. Let's get started. Well, hey there. I'm so glad that you're on the podcast with me today. I've got a brand new friend of mine on with me today, Alan Arnold. And Alan, we met in kind of a serendipitous sort of way. We were both on a separate podcast, Troy Mangum's The Kindling Fire, and Troy called both of us and said, you guys should meet. I think you'd really like each other. And so we've, we've, we've been getting to know each other over the phone and uh, over the last few months. And I have to say what a pleasure it is to, to get to know you and, and your journey. Thanks, Matt. It's, it's really an honor to be talking with you. And, and just from our past conversations, when you find a kindred spirit who's on a similar journey, although different, but but similar in terms of a passion for creativity and art and story. Uh, it, it just, it's just like finding a new best friend. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to our talk today. It's good times. Good times. Well, listen, just to, just to give you a little bit of an introduction, I, you know, I'm introducing you as a, as a writer and that sort of thing. I'm right in the middle of your book, which is fabulous. Everybody should get it called the story of with, which is this, beautiful allegory about creativity and identity and imagination and all this. But before that, uh, you were also in the publishing industry for gosh, 20 plus years at Thomas Nelson. And now you're working with John Eldridge's ministry, Ransom Hart as the content director out there. So you're, I, I really feel a kindred spirit in that we're kind of on, it seems like you like both ends of the creative process as well, the production end as well as the, as the doing it. I'm interested how did this author side of you come to come to the surface in your life? Well, you know, it, I worked with authors, like you said, at Thomas Nelson. I was the fiction publisher, started that division, um, and, and for 10 years was the publisher and got to work with just amazing storytellers and help them shape their stories and then help them bring those stories to life, but never thought of myself as an author. And mm. so... That journey really began when a journey of my life began. God invited me into, Matt, this new, whole new terrain of what does it mean to move from being an orphan who knows about God but doesn't know God as Father into a journey of sonship, of knowing God as a father, as a dad. And in that journey, uh, which took place about seven years ago, rocked my world. And, and as I was going through that, then I had something to share uh, in story form because I, I couldn't help not share it. Like it, it was so transformative to me as a man and, and as somebody who loved story and as somebody who loved art to be able to, you know, now say, you can do it too. Because I knew so many storytellers from my time as a fiction publisher yeah. who knew the metrics of a good story but they didn't necessarily know how to step into story, how to co-create with God. Mm. And so as God brought me into that, um, man, it's been a great journey because it's been a journey of my own creativity, uh, discovering what it means to be a storyteller for myself, but also inviting people into the story of who they are. Right. I, I love too, that you are taking the story of identity and imagination and all this and, encapsulating it in story because not just here's how to do it, you know, because I think one of the things, and I've taught about this, I talked about it in my, one of my books, I don't know, but about this idea that 
when Jesus came, you know, to talk about the transformation of the kingdom, he did it in the context of story because story has this supernatural sort of sticking power. I call it, you know, it, it sticks with us. It, mm. it, it, it immerses <laughs> us in the truth as opposed to just kind of here's the black and white, white bullet points. And I think so many of us were raised in church where it was just about the bullet points, you know, get saved, don't go to hell, uh, wait on the Holy Ghost bus to come take you to heaven. And, and it's like, wow, there's so, <laughs> much, there's so much more, you know, and I love that you're, you're taking the story of, of the kingdom and encapsulating it in story so that it really gets inside of people. Well, I thank you. I, I really don't know another way to do it because it feels like that from the beginning of creation, God chose story as his canvas mm. and chose story for us as humans, uh, starting in the garden, starting in Eden and with his own creation days all the way to now. And so, you know, when we think about the deeper things of life, uh, I think they almost always have to be involved somehow with story. Um, and, and you think about Jesus, you know, in the Gospels, so many of the deepest truths he shared were through parables. And so his response to people in terms of what is the kingdom like or what is God like or what is heaven like, it would always almost begin with, well, the kingdom of God is like. And right. he would tell a story. Right. And I think that's because the deeper truths go beyond black and white facts. Mm. And so st story is the language of the heart. And I think it's a shortcut for us as men and women to go, wow, I knew the facts. Now I know a deeper reality when I experience it myself through life, through story. Yeah, absolutely. I'm interested in your own you know, journey, how you've come to this, because I, I, you know, we talked a little bit before I'm not through the book yet. I'm like about a little, I think almost a halfway somewhere in there, but you're starting to talk in, you know, the story of with about living from a place of expectancy and you make a beautiful delineation there that you're not talking about living from a place of expectation, but really of anticipation. And I wonder, was that your struggle and how did that work out in your life? How did you come into living in your own creative journey from a place of anticipation? <laughs> well, absolutely. It was, yes, it was my story. I, I believed for a good part of my early adult years that who I was was based primarily on what I did. Mm. And so the more I did and the more that was received well, and the more promotions that came from that, I thought the answer was, well, okay, do more then do more. And so my life was a series of performance-driven um, striving, mm. and I would keep trying to do more. Well, Matt, the problem with that is at some point it all implodes because you can't continually do more and more and more. And, and I use the example a lot of times of the famous scene from the I Love Lucy TV series of the chocolate when they were in the chocolate factory. Right. <laughs> and a, a lot of people will remember that. This is from the 1950s TV show. And Lucy and Ethel are, are assigned the task at this job of wrapping chocolates on a conveyor belt. And at first it seems super easy and the conveyor belt's going really slow and they just pick up the piece of chocolate, wrap it, set it back down. But eventually it starts to speed up more and more and more. 
and they realize we're, we're in trouble. We can't continue at this rate. But if one goes through unwrapped, we're fired. So they start hiding them in their pockets and hiding <laughs> the, the pieces of chocolate in their hats and in their mouth. And, and the factory supervisor comes out and it appears they've, they've wrapped everything okay. She doesn't know there's hundreds of pieces in their pockets and in their hats. <laughs> and so the supervisor's response to them is, you've done great. Speed it up. <laughs> and so the conveyor belt goes twice as fast as it had been. And they just look at each other like, what are we're we in this do? losing game. <laughs> right. And that's, I think, most of our life is when we are in this productivity-driven state of life, and that's what gives us our identity, the only way to sustain it is to keep running faster and faster and faster. And so um, I got to a point where I just said, I, I can't do this anymore. This is not life. And that's when I realized, boy, I've been living more for my expectations in everything I did. I had these expectations of this is how life should work. So this is what a successful job looks like. This is what a successful marriage looks like. This is what a successful fathering technique looks like. And, and mm -hmm. the problem is um, it became the striving toward do more, do more, check it off the box, keep doing more. And it was not life-giving. Now, compare expectations to expectancy. Expectancy is, the way I would define it, um, when I talk to God as a, as a son talks to a father, God, I'm not sure how this day is going to go, but I wake up with an expectancy for what you have planned. I wake up with an expectancy for what we will get to do together. And, and that is a releasing of expectations. Is saying, things don't have to go my way. Things don't have to all happen a certain way for me to deem a day successful. Mm. In fact, there's a lot of mystery. I don't know how the day will go. But I have an expectancy because I have a good father. So now I enter into everything with this sense of wonder and awe and waiting to see how God's going to orchestrate things and what my role will be. So it's it's really polar opposites, expect expectancy versus expectations. That's so good. I, I imagine, too, that that's gone over into your own creative process. I was doing a little bit of research for this call. I try to keep these as organic as possible, but there was a great quote of uh, from the Oregon Christian Writers interview that you did about your creative process, and I'd, I'd love to just get a little more of your heart on this because you, you said – it's more important for writers to take time to understand the creator's motive for extending this immense gift to us and to accept it. God's primary desire is not that we create works about him or even for him, but it's that we create with him. His invitation is always toward intimacy. And I'm like, ah, oh, we're preaching out of the same book. I mean, I just, <laughs> I just love it. Talk a, a little bit about how that, that creating with, God has transformed your own creative process. Absolutely. Well, it starts with, you used the word motive earlier, and that's, that's the perfect, I think, entry point, because we have to pull back and go, what was God's motive for giving us our talents and our gifting? And, and, and the quote you had was from a writer's conference, but this is for any artist. This is for people who do, you know, work with their hands. They, make baskets or they paint or they're chefs or they're um, 
ballerinas or poets, whatever, architects, whatever it may be, your creativity was given to you, I believe, by God. Mm. So the question then is why? Why did God do that? And the answer I think most Christians have is kind of a default answer is, well, so we'll get busy doing things for God. <laughs> so to whom much is given, much is expected. You know, get busy, start doing something with it. And so it, it brings the stress and pressure. And really, if we're not careful, identity is formed on how well are we doing what we're doing? And do we think God is pleased with us? And if you turn that on its head and ask the question, what is God's motive? I believe the answer is he gives us our gifting so that we will step into it with him, step into the things we love with him. And as we do that, we get to know him more, Mm. more intimately, more deeply. And so as a father would teach a young daughter to dance, or as a father would teach a young son to toss a ball or whatever it may be, they're doing, the father is doing that. If the father has a good heart, not so that daughter or son will become a professional whatever it is, you know, professional ball player, professional dancer. The father's doing it because it's an act of intimacy. Let's dance together. Let's toss the ball back and forth. And as we do, let's get to know each other better. Mm, that's good. That's why I feel like God has given us our gifting as an invitation into pursue the things you love with me. With is key. With is intimate. With is relational. With is together. And so we're given our gifting. It was knit into us, I believe, before we were born. Not so we would have the pressure to do more or have some pressure of validation, but simply foundationally, it starts with relationship. Will you do this with me together? As you pursue what you love, you'll get to know me more in the process, I think God says. You know, I I love that quote by St. Irenaeus that says, the glory of God is man fully alive. And it's kind of been a, yes. a, a big life quote for me. And after I read Wild at Heart and all, you know, all these kind of really poignant books that helped in my transformation over the years. But I remember when I first began to tell people, I think God's calling me to be an artist and I'm going to make baskets for a living. And they're like, no, what? And, <laughs> and then the immediate question from all the church people was like, well, now, is is it Christian baskets or are you using this for evangelism <laughs> or, you know, and I'm like, I don't even know baskets right. are saved. So I'm like, I don't even know that that's a thing, but, um, but I really have come to believe that God cares more that I create than what I create, that it is echoing what you're saying is it is that just being with him in the studio that I'm doing the thing that he designed me to do. That is enough. And that is such a huge part of, my anchoring in him creatively and spiritually. And, um, and there's such a place of rest. I think that, I don't know if you would echo this, but I think that staying in that place of rest for me uh, and for many creatives is the challenge of our life, right? <laughs> to, to not be so enamored right, with right. our production. <laughs> well, it, it's the biggest challenge and yet it's the most freeing thing when we start to do it because you can't have your best creative work when you're tense or when you're under, I don't believe, or when you're wondering if you're going to get to the finish line or not and what people will say and, and the, the reaction of the world, like tension of that kind does not create 
the best creatives. Mm. I think the best creative place we can be in comes from a place of freedom where we go, we get to go on the playground with God, the studio, whatever it may be, wherever our creative uh, place is, we get to go there with God and we get to create. And that, if that's all that happens, that alone is enough. Mm. Now, there hopefully will be ripple effects into the world. People will want to buy or want to engage or interact with what we've created. That's a beautiful thing when that happens, but that's not the foundation. And if we have the foundation right, here's the cool part. People oftentimes create in the pursuit of success, but when you start with the foundation of co-creating with God, that is success. Yeah. The yeah. success of it is I'm creating with God. Well, from that point, now you're creating from a place of success. That's right. So you're not choosing it anymore. <laughs> and that's where I think the best freedom comes in. What we think of, our imagination is freed up. Um, the pressure is off because all of a sudden we already have success. Now we just get to have fun. Well, hey, there's Matt. And you know, one of the things that I found over the years in working with artists is that real lasting change in our life happens best in the context of supportive Christian community. And that's why I wanted to take this opportunity just to take a second and invite you to be a part of my online community called the Thriving Christian Artists Facebook Group. Listen, this group is absolutely free and over the years has actually grown to thousands and thousands of artists in just about every creative medium from countries all over the world. You know, the cool thing is that it's become a real place of encouragement and life for artists, just like you and me, who want to share their work, share their life, connect with other artists, and really pursue everything God has for us as artists in his kingdom. Now, listen, to join, all you have to do is just click the link in the show notes here and answer a couple of questions just to let us know that you're a real person, and bam, you're in, okay? So, listen, I can't wait to connect with you inside of my Thriving Christian Artists Facebook group. Do it now, and we'll see you there very soon. All right, bye. Absolutely. I think we start to see that the fruit is the fruit of our life is up to him, right? I mean, we we're to be faithful right. with little and he brings us into being ruler over much. We're fruitful with what's in our hand and then he brings multiplication. And so it takes the pressure off, which is, is just huge. So, you know, one of the no, things, it's, it's, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to say to that, you know, we really were never meant to dream alone. Right. And, and when we do that, we make wings. I think our dreams have wings that are just way too small for the places God longs to take us. Like mm. we need to have the kind of dreams that are absolutely impossible for us to do on our own. And those are the kind of dreams I think then that God comes alongside us and says, now we're dreaming together. Mm. Now you're stepping into the impossible with me. And with me, nothing is impossible but we're stepping into it. It's like Jeremiah 33.3, you know, he will show us great and wondrous things that are beyond our own mind's capability. In other words, when we step into something with God, we can see things and think things that we never could have without him. But it starts with the journey of togetherness, of with. If we want to see and think and do the impossible, well, let's start with God, knowing he's the ultimate creator. And then, boy, our dreams have really big wings. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm always interested in the practical side of life because it's one thing to talk about, you know, 
large concepts like with and intimacy and identity and that sort of thing. And yet I, I always love to break it down when I'm talking to people mm-hmm. about what are the real habits that you're employing on a daily basis, regular basis to really cultivate this sort of the story of with, you know, being with this intimacy in your life, both in your creative process and in your relationship with both God and, and others. What are those, some of those habits look like for you? That's a great question, Matt. Well, and you're right, because if it doesn't come down to the practical, then it, it's a great thought that's hard to ever make happen. Right. Um, but for me, when it would start as a creative person and somebody who loves story and art, it really is to start with this from the minute I wake up with giving God my heart and my day. And so before I get out of bed, before I reach for the iPhone, before my busyness kicks in, what I've learned to do is this practice of just, okay, Father, I give you this day. I yeah. give you every aspect. And so I'm going into whatever I do with him in an active, intimate way. So that's the beginning. And then what's beautiful about that is when I sit down, I'm a writer. And so when I sit down to write, well, I sit down, not, not in my own sense of, I'm going to, for instance, with writers, a huge trap I think is I'm going to write 5,000 words today <laughs> right? or 10,000 words or, or whatever the word count is. And, and I think I really disrupt a lot of writers because I tell them, you're, you need to count less and create more mm. because counting words is not a measurement of creativity or of intimacy with God. And so, and so this next step is releasing formula and techniques and the way it happened last time even because God is a God who rarely does repeat performances with right. us in the same way. <laughs> exactly. You know? And so the biggest trap is, well, last time or last project I worked on, it happened this way. Now I've got the formula. And I believe God hates formula. Mm. And because he always wants us to be expectant on him, step into the new with him, the not yet, the unknown. And so the next step for me is releasing any expectation for how I think things should go. So in other words, I sit down to write and I sense God saying, close the laptop, close the journal. We're going to actually go on a walk around the block right now. <laughs> and, and being willing to, to go, uh, wait, instead of saying, you know, God, hold on, I've, I've got to get this thing done today or I'm going to be behind to say, okay, okay. I would rather walk with you than write with you at this moment, God. Yeah. Because that's your invitation to, for me as an artist to walk with you. Um, sometimes he'll say, go to a movie. Sometimes he'll say, um, turn on worship music, whatever it may be. But it's that openness to the voice of the creator who is leading us, guiding us, wooing us throughout the process. I remember for me, when that really started to change, I was really struggling with the calling God had given me about being in ministry and marketplace, both full time. And I was like, God, that makes no sense. Nobody does this. It's, you know, I need a better parameter, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, Matt, whether, whether you're out walking in the woods or whether you're writing a book or doing a podcast or whether you're in the studio or whether you're just visiting with somebody who comes by the studio and, 
and, and, you know, just to see you or whatever, all of that is part of who you are in the kingdom. And as long as you're being authentically who God's called you to be in the moment, responding to him, you're good. Cause I was so, exactly. you know, as a, as a man and as a, you know, the provider of, you know, for my family and all that, it's like, well, if I don't produce, then this isn't going to get done. And it's like, no, 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 no. Your provision comes out of who you are, not out of what you do. And I know that for me was a huge shift in just being able to take a breath and rest in who I am and who God called me to be and let the production, like I say, in the fruit, you know, be up to him. So that just to echo what you're saying is so good. Oh, that's yeah. And that's why in, in the book that I wrote the story of with at the end of each chapter of the allegory, there's a little section about a page, two pages that I've called the shift to with, and you were just talking about shifts. Well, I think part of the practical nature of how do we do this? How do we journey with God in our creativity, in the things we love? And to me, it's a series of steps or of shifts. And so part of the shift may be, okay, um, let me identify the deserts in my life, the things that make me dry and weary and burn out. Let me identify those. How do I do that with God? Or, okay, how do I now understand the difference of open and closed doors? Mm. Because a lot of times, you know, in our pursuit of what we love, let's say that we send out three resumes somewhere of three places we'd love to work. Two come back no, one comes back yes. Well, most people operate under the assumption of, well, I guess the one that said yes is God's will. And the ones that said no aren't. But the problem with that is, it's not, not a relational model, it's a formulaic model. Mm. A better question is, God, are you trying to teach me to close an open door that's not from you? Mm. Or are you trying to teach me to pick the lock of a closed door that you want me to learn how to open? Wow. Also, the enemy knows how to open and close doors. And so, is this a door that shouldn't have been opened? Or is this a trap? Or is this just a... Uh, a big waste of time that the enemy could have me on by saying yes to something that really isn't the best for my heart. Mm. And the only way you know is intimacy with God is asking him like a, a son or daughter would ask a father. That's right. So I think so much of our journey, it's taking those shifts one at a time and saying, what does it look like to try this? What are the scars of my story? What are my desires? And just pursuing it bit by bit. That's so good. It's all about learning to hear his voice, right? <laughs> and, and just walk, walk exactly. with that knowing. So, you know, I know that there are people out there right now who are listening, who maybe this is, maybe they're just coming into their creativity or just realizing that God's got a plan for their creative life and them in the kingdom. And they're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm really living in expectation. I'm not <laughs> living in expectancy. I'm really, uh, I'm just starting this thing and I know that I've got a lot of work. What would you say to that person that's just like, wow, I, I want to live like this, but I've got no clue where to start? Yeah, I would say the good news is it's really simple. Man complicates things. God simplifies things. That's good. So first I would say take a deep breath if you feel that way. And know that God doesn't make this complicated any more than a father would want to complicate things for his son or daughter. So the, so the first thing I would say is simply stop, pause, 
Think about the things you love to do that you've loved as a boy or girl all the way from childhood to now. Maybe you felt like you could never make a living at that, or maybe you felt like you needed to let those things go as you grew up and you were told just to get serious and get a job. Well, ask God, why did you give me a love for that? Maybe, maybe it's, you know, coaching. You love the sport. Maybe you've always wanted to coach that sport as you grew up. Maybe it's, you know, teaching something, playing the guitar. And you think, well, all that sounds great, but I couldn't necessarily make a living from that. Well, see, that's where we don't know the answer. We have to ask God because we tend to think, okay, well, the answer is either A or B. And God says, I've got 50,000 answers. <laughs> I've, got, I've got unlimited paths for you. Do you want to trust me or do you want to figure it out in your own strength? That's right. See, the invitation there is intimacy, relationship. Ask me, walk with me, come with me. And that's where it gets fun. So the pressure is off. It's, it's just simply sitting with your father and saying, God, why did you give me those desires? And I've let them go dormant or, or I pursued them, but I pursued them in my own strength. Now, what would it look like to do it together? And then the adventure begins. Oh, that's so good. There's, I was telling somebody the other day I wanted, in my mentoring program, I was like, guys, when you start to re- learn to respond, to his voice, it's like all of heaven <laughs> opens the doors and goes, finally, <laughs> you know, <laughs> finally you're, you're ready you know, for this. And it's like, there's such an acceleration and momentum and grace that begins to come around your life when you do that, because you're not, you're not creating the wave, you're riding his wave. You're coming into agreement with the things that God's already purposed for your life. And now we get to be that uh, conduit through which he can flow. And it's a whole lot more fun and a whole lot easier than trying to, trying to do it in your own strength. So, wow. Well, and, and you know this, Matt, but whatever you create in your own strength, you have to sustain in your own That's strength. Right. That's right. And that becomes so exhausting. But when you know God has led you into something, invited you into something, and he's opening doors, and he's creating opportunity, and he's giving you the, the strength and the creativity and gifting like the pressure's off because you didn't start it. This isn't a view. It's a bigger story than you or me. We're not the hero or the the focus anymore. We're a part of something incredible, but the pressure's off to sustain it. We simply get to experience it with God. And that's, you know, to me, that's like a road trip. Um, You know, it's like when God invites you down a new path, you don't have to know all the details before saying yes but you simply get to look at it like a road trip. This is a road trip with the father. I don't have to know where we're going. I don't have to have all the answers because I'm not the one driving, but I get to do it with God. And and to me, what could be more exciting? Oh, that's so good. You know, I just know that there are so many people out there listening right now that are going, yes, yes, yes. I want to, I want to step into that. And I want to invite you, Alan, if you would just to pray uh, that the Lord would just begin to unlock people's heart into this truth, because it's, it's so vital. It's the thing I'm passionate about. I'm, I think this is why Troy said, you guys are going to love each other because we're, we really are just so passionate about seeing people be able to step into the fullness of who they are beyond performance, but really based in their identity with, with him. Would you just pray and just release people into that today? I know it's going to be a huge encouragement for them. Absolutely. So I would just ask everybody listening, to know I'm praying for you specifically right now, not, not for some 
large group, but for you. And so just get to a place where you can close your eyes or if you're driving, just listen, but know it's for you. And I pray, Father, that this person, this son or daughter of yours, has an awakening of the heart, that this conversation has stirred something in them, something that's starting to awaken and say, I, I want that, or I've been waiting for this, or wow, this is possibility. And, and Father, I pray you would just take that longing and step in with your son or daughter and show them your love, yeah. your presence, and your desire to step into all of life with them. Mm. That their dreams and longings, they don't need to be downsized, but they need to be upgraded mm. to the kind of dreams that are only possible with you. Mm. And I just pray that everyone listening would just take that first step of saying, Father, I want it. Yeah. I want to experience life with you. I want to step into what I love to do, how you've made me. I want to step into that with you. And I release all expectations for what that looks like. But I increase my wonder and expectancy of how you will be there for me as a father taking me into this journey. Yeah. A journey you get to do with him. Mm. And I pray, God, that, that, that this week, with the same week, somebody's hearing this, God, you would show them signs of how you're doing that so that they see this isn't just for a few people, but it's for everyone who longs for more, who hungers for more. Mm. And you are the more. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Wow. You know, there, there is a new normal in the kingdom and it is not the normal that we've always experienced. And Alan, I'm just so thankful for the thing that you carry that God's given you in the kingdom to really awaken people to this new normal uh, for, for all that he's got for them. Thank you so much. Listen, I, I know that people are going to want to get in touch with you. So where's the, the best place in the, in the website world out there of the, of the interweb, <laughs> as we say, what's the best place to contact with you? Well, the best place, a um, couple of things. If they, if they haven't read the book yet, I think that's the best way for me to have a conversation with them, Matt, is for them to either listen on Audible or check out the book on Amazon, The Story of With, because that just lays the foundation for everything we're talking about. Mm. But then they can follow me uh, online if they want on Twitter uh, at the story of with every day. I leave three or four or five thoughts that um, it's not to sell anything, but it's just to encourage people on this journey. And so they can follow me there. Uh, My website is with Allen.com. It's W I T H A L L E N. My website's uh, in progress. So I've spent more time trying to create than I have on my website so far. <laughs> so um, they can find me there, but but uh, just know that it's it's going to have a major upgrade in 2019. Awesome. But um, yeah, I'd lo- and I'd love to talk to people. One of the things I do, Matt, is is um, I do you know coaching and mentoring to artists and storytellers, and and mainly though, just want to encourage people. Like in this journey, you're not alone. And boy, when you awaken 
to do what you do and love to do with God, it literally is transformative. Like there's an eternal spark to your art and to your heart at that time. Mm. And so that, that's my desire for everybody listening is try it, step into it, see what happens when you dive in. And it, it's transformative. Like, as you know, once you do that, you're never the same. That's right. You can't go back. <laughs> no. Well, Alan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And for everybody listening, I hope you'll check out Alan on Twitter and his website and uh, definitely, definitely, definitely get the book. It's sitting on my bedside table right now. And um, I'm going to keep devouring it as I am every night. So Alan, again, thanks so much for being on. Thanks, Matt. I've enjoyed it. Hey, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with me today on the podcast. Listen, I hope it's been a huge encouragement to you on your journey as an artist. Hey, also, before you leave, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of the other episodes of the Thriving Christian Artist Podcast. And also, be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or at my website, which is matttommymentoring.com. Until next time, remember, you were created to thrive. Bye-bye.